Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle. I want to thank you all for being here today, especially our guests who are with us. We just appreciate you coming to join us in worship. We also welcome those of you watching online or listening to our podcast and just want to thank you for spending some time with us uh, today as well. As Cole said, we're wrapping up a sermon series called The Place to Be. And ultimately, the place to be is at the feet of Jesus as we want to enter into a personal, loving relationship with God. And over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about a couple of different B's to be known, that we can be known by God and we can be known by each other and and cared for for who we are. We can also belong. We talked last week about belonging to the family of God, and that is a, a choice that God gives us to be a part of God's own family, to be heirs with Christ, and that is very powerful. And today we're going to talk about become, that God wants us to become something more than who we are, to become a part of something bigger than who we are. And so I'm glad you're here today to be a part of this discussion as we explore that together. I'll apologize in advance if I'm a little bit wired up today. My family and I went to Salisbury yesterday. It's about an hour north of here for the 100th year anniversary of the soft drink Cheerwine. Anybody like Cheerwine? Uh, It was amazing. There were thousands of people gathered there. This has been my favorite soft drink since I was a kid. And uh, they were giving out as much free cheer wine as you could drink yesterday. And so uh, about three o'clock this morning, I determined when I still hadn't gone to bed yet, that that might not have been the best thing for me. And uh, I probably had a clue when we were driving home from Salisbury. Again, it's about an hour from here with my five-year-old and nine-year-old in the backseat of the car after they drank cheer wine all afternoon. That was a lovely ride home, let me just tell you. So uh, again, if I'm a little amped up today, that's what's going on. But uh, seriously, I'm glad you're here and now would invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word today and that we would all hear it and allow God to transform our lives. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When Jesus started out his public ministry, he was about 30 years old. And one of the first things that he did was he called some people to come and and be a part of that ministry. And The 12 of them uh, were called the 12 disciples, and there were a lot more than 12 disciples. There were a bunch of people who followed Jesus around, men and women, but the Bible really gives us a lot of detail about 12 men. And so today we're going to look at one of those disciples whose name was Peter. His actual name was Simon. Jesus determined to call him another one of his names, Peter. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But uh, Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen, and they were fishing off the Sea of Galilee. It's a big lake in the northern part of Israel, surrounded by some rolling hills. And you can imagine some of the lakes that we have here, Lake Norman, uh, Lake Wiley, something like that, just with some, some hills around it. Beautiful place to be. And Peter was married. Uh, he was the son of a, a great father. He had a house. Uh, and he had his brother, and they were fishermen, and that was a good way to earn a living. And that's kind of his background to where we pick up his story today when Jesus meets him. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who is Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So Jesus comes up and says, you're fishing for people for, for fish, that's great, but if you come follow me, we're going to go catch people for God and, and help them come into a relationship with God. And it said that Peter and his brother Andrew immediately went and followed Jesus. 
Now, that's a lot, right, to give up your fishing career and, and to be going around the, the country of Israel and you're leaving your family and your home and your wife. And I'm sure he kept in touch with his wife and came back to visit and all that sort of thing. But this is a major life change. And so there must have been something special about Jesus, some kind of magnetic personality, some kind of just overwhelming sense of God. Or this guy's really about something bigger than me, and, and I want to follow that. And there had to have been some kind of faith within Peter for him to, to walk and, and to go with Jesus. And so Peter's off to this just amazing leap of faith start with Jesus. Well, there are a lot of cool episodes in Peter's life. We're just going to look at a handful of those today. But the next one, we're going to kind of fast forward the story. And Jesus now has his 12 disciples. And, and the disciples are out on the boat, again, in the Sea of Galilee, this really huge lake in the northern part of Israel. And Jesus is on the shoreline. And, and some bad weather comes up. And it's kind of getting rocky and stormy. And the disciples are awake. And they're a little fearful. And, and they look out. And they see what looks like a ghost floating across the water towards them. And that's really helping them to freak out even more. And And when it gets closer, they can see that it looks like Jesus. And he calls out to them and says not to be afraid that it's him. And and, and so this is kind of where we pick up the story. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And who can blame him, right? And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. That's a great prayer, by the way. Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he called him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. So here we have kind of a mixed bag uh, when it comes to Peter. He sees Jesus walking on the water. Jesus uh, identifies himself. He's like, Lord, if it's really you, let me come out and walk with you, right? You're walking on the water, right? You're God. I want to do that too. And, you know, maybe he's not thinking what all is really involved in this. And he, he kind of blindly steps out in faith out on the water. And he starts walking to Jesus and he's walking on the water. And we've probably heard this story, even if we're maybe new to, to, to church or whatever. And he's walking out on the water. And then the human part of Peter kicks in. And he looks around, he sees the waves, he sees the wind, and, and maybe he's like, uh, the reality's starting to set in, and, and maybe the shock and all that is kind of wearing off, and so he starts sinking, right? He, he loses the faith that he can do this, and so he, he cries out, Lord, save me, and Jesus reaches down and pulls him back up. And that, to me, shows that Peter is a man of faith, but he hasn't got it all figured out yet. He's not all the way where he needs to be, and and, and he's like you and me, he's human. And even though he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, he, he wasn't perfect yet. And so, you know, I, that helps me identify with being a follower of Jesus. If one of these top 12 disciples had some struggles, then maybe it's okay if we have struggles too. So now we're going to fast forward again in Peter's life. And now the disciples and Jesus are in the way northern part of Israel in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And there's a spring there of water that comes up. And it, it's one of the headwaters of, of the Jordan River that flows from the north down to the south in Israel. And, and that feeds the Sea of Galilee that I've been talking about. And after that, it kind of goes down to the south part of Israel to the Dead Sea where it stops and it evaporates. And that's, that's still true today. And so they're way up north. If you were to go there today, then you'd be close to Syria, the country of Syria. There's a lot of barbed wire, a lot of landmines around there. They didn't have that back in Jesus' day. 
Jesus is there, and he has a very important question that he wants to ask his disciples. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? That's a title for the Messiah, a title for Jesus. What's the buzz about me? What are people tweeting about me? What are they Instagramming about me? You know, what are people saying about me? And then they replied, some say John the Baptist, right? That was Jesus' cousin, this kind of crazy preacher that was out in the desert preaching about repentance and turning away from sin and turning to God. And and some say that's who you are. Others say that you're Elijah, right? This was a, a prophet, a spokesperson for God who lived a long time before Jesus. He never died. God sent a fiery chariot from heaven to pick him up and take him up into heaven. Some say that you're Elijah and you've come back down. Others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Again, spokespeople for God, long time before Jesus lived, these guys are dead and buried, and some are thinking, well, maybe the prophets have have come back to life and they're here. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? Because evidently everybody else doesn't know who I am, so who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he orders disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So here, Peter has this amazing profession. Nobody else understands who Jesus is. And he's like, you're the son of God. You're you're the Messiah. And Jesus is so impressed. He's like, Peter, you couldn't have come up with that on your own. God must have given you special revelation and and, and you're going to be the rock and I'm going to build my church on you and and you're going to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven and and, and, and it's going to be powerful, right? So this is the big deal for Peter. right? When he says, you're the rock, right? Remember Jesus called him Peter instead of Simon. And Peter translated, loosely translated, means rock. Or really, a better translation would be like Rocky. You know, like Rocky Balboa. Like, yo, Adrian, right? I'm going to go rough up the devil. You know, that kind of thing. Like, this is a rocky character, right? I'm going to, you're a firm foundation. I'm going to build the church on you. And the Roman Catholic Church, the popes, trace their lineage back to Peter, right? This is a, a huge moment. You, Peter, know who I am. Right? So again, it shows that how far Peter's come in his faith walk and, and he can say with confidence who Jesus is when nobody else really understands it. But Peter being Peter has these ups and downs. He's not through with the downs yet. Right? So we're going to fast forward to the, the end of Jesus' life. It's right before he's going to be crucified. He's going to be nailed to a tree you know, so that we can be restored in a right relationship with God. He knows it's coming and he's telling his disciples to get ready. Right? He's getting ready to die. They're going to come arrest him and... And the disciples are like, no, nah, man, that can't happen. We've got your back, Jesus. We're going to be there for you. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story now. Peter declared, even if I fall away, if all fall away, I will not. Even if everyone else leaves you, Jesus, I will not. And then Jesus says, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So Jesus is saying, guys, I'm getting ready to, to go down a dark path and they're going to come for me. And the disciples are like, we're going we're gonna to be with you. Peter's like, 
Even if they come and they try to take you, we're staying right here. If they kill you, they're going to kill me too, right? I am going down swinging, Jesus. I have your back. It's not going to happen. And Jesus said, it is going to happen. And of course, when they come to arrest Jesus, the disciples scatter. Jesus is arrested and Peter kind of follows along at a distance from the crowds. And then some people recognize who he is. And like, you've got the same accent, you know, from the people who hang out with Jesus. You guys are from the north, right? And no, no, that's not me. Hey, I think we've seen you with that Jesus guy. No, 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 that's not me. And, and so he denies Jesus three times. Here's the, the rooster crow. And, and he remembers what Jesus says. And this has got to be like the low point of his life. He's the spokesperson for the disciples. He's the one who's walked on water. He's the one who's professed faith in Christ. That God's going to put the church and build the church on Peter. And, and all these amazing things are going to happen. He got to go on special missions with Jesus. Just him and a couple other disciples. And, and he's seen things and done things that, that will blow people away. And now he's failed Jesus. Of course, after Jesus comes back to life... He reunites with the disciples. And I can't imagine the mixed emotions going on in Peter, the, the joy that Jesus is alive, the, the reality of he really is the Son of God. And well, we're going to be okay, you know, coupled with the guilt and the shame of, man, I let you down when you needed me the most. Right? I was gone. I was the leader of the disciples, and I failed you more than anybody. Jesus comes, and there's a special moment by the Sea of Galilee where he, he gives Peter a chance to, to tell Jesus that he loves him and that he's going he's gonna to work for Jesus again. And, and he gets Peter to say that three times, which is pretty cool because he denied Jesus three times. And so Jesus gives him three times to, to kind of reaffirm his faith. And it sets Peter on fire for God. And he sees Jesus ascend into heaven and the Holy Spirit comes down, that special part of God that's with us now. And Peter goes and he preaches a sermon. And there are people from all over the world gathered there. And 3,000 of them give their lives to Christ. And the church is born. Remember, on you I'm going to build the church. On you are the rock, right? So like 3,000 people start the church. In addition to his other disciples. And, and Peter and the disciples now, instead of being scared, they're bold. And, and they go out and they perform miracles. And they heal people. And they're teaching boldly. And they're doing it around the same people who had Jesus arrested. And ultimately had him killed. And... And they're, and, they're, and they're not hiding that. And Peter brings a woman who's dead back to life through the power of God. And, and Peter and John, another one of the disciples, heal this man who's been, who's been hurt and sick for a long time. And, and the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, they, they see this and they, and they imprison Peter and, and John. And they're telling them, you've got to stop this. They got Jesus killed. You guys want to go down that route? You've got to stop this. And, and this is where we pick up the story in the book of Acts. Then they called them in, John and Peter, again, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to, or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We've seen miracles. We've walked on water. We've seen the dead come back to life. You're not going to shut us up. You might have had Jesus arrested. It might have gotten him killed. If you want to do that to us, go ahead. We will not stop. And Peter's on fire for God. And he continues to spread the gospel and all the remaining days of his life. And ultimately, he is killed for his faith. But man, what a journey he's taken and, and how far God has, has moved him from that first day that he's fishing and then leading thousands of people to faith in Christ and then through the ups and downs of what it looks like to be a disciple. 
And, And Peter just shows that the life of a follower of Christ, the life of a disciple, something that you and I are are trying to be a part of. Right? It's a lifelong journey. And, and God wants us to become so much more than who we were when we first met God. And, and it's going to be filled with some ups and downs. Right? Peter took three steps forward. He took two steps back. Three steps forward, two steps back. Right? Man, I'm going to leave everything. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to have uh, walk on water. I'm going to sink. Then I'm going to profess faith in Jesus. And I'm going to you know, deny him three times. Now I'm going to stand up for him. Right? It's like this, this constant kind of roller coaster. right? Three steps forward, two steps back. What it means is, is we are disciples right? that, that we're always uh, a work in progress. There's always good things that we're doing for God, and there's things that we probably are ashamed of that we're not doing well for God. So we're a work in progress. And the other side of that is that no matter how far we stray from God, God's not finished with us yet. No matter how great we are for God, how we're soaring for God, we still haven't scratched the surface of what God has in store for us, and so God's not through with us yet. Right? In the book of Romans, in the New Testament, Paul says it this way, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What Paul is saying is that a life of following Christ is about being transformed. That God takes us where we are and moves us somewhere else. So, so the good news is that God meets us where we are, He loves us. He created us in His image. Even though we're not perfect, God meets us where we are and He helps us become something more. God meets us where we are and He helps us become something more. That's good news that we can tweet and Snapchat and Instagram, right? God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. Because that's what life's about. It's being transformed because God has big plans for us. God has great things in store and he wants us to grow in our faith. And we're going to be like Peter. We're going to, we're going to make some progress forward and we're going to step backwards. And then we're going to make some progress forward and, and God's with us. And it all starts with God. God has created us in his image. He has great, wonderful plans for us. He sent Jesus into the world to die for us and to come back to life because we separate ourselves from God. We separate ourselves from each other. We have brokenness in our lives. And that's not the way God wants it. So God sent Jesus, in short, to give us a way back to God. And when we say, God, I want to leave that life without you behind me. I want you to come and and be my Lord and Savior. Please forgive me for my wrongdoing. Help me to live this life to the full. Help me to to have joy and peace and look forward to life eternal. Right When we receive Jesus, that's a powerful moment. It's something God does for us, but we have to say yes to God. But when we do say yes, right, we're on God's team. We're saved. We're born again. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to live life to the full. And that's awesome. And God makes that happen. God's the heavy lifter. We receive that. We also receive the Holy Spirit, that part of God that's with us now, that will be with us for the rest of our lives and will walk with us. And for the rest of our lives, it's going to help us become something more than who we were when we first met Jesus. It's going to help us be a part of something bigger than who we are. And and we're going to make progress. Even if we slide back a little bit, God's going to keep pushing us to move forward just like Peter. But it's not just about people who lived 2,000 years ago. It happens here Right here and now in our community. This past week I had the amazing privilege to be able to uh, speak about one of our members who died last week and to to lead her Celebration of Life worship service. Her name is Helen Garcia. 
I got a picture of her there and she was 92 years old. She was just this close to being 93 years old and she lived an amazing life. I had so much fun talking with her, her grown children. She has five grown children, a lot of grandchildren, a lot of great grandchildren and I had a great time talking to some of her children and, and hearing a lot of the stories about her 92 years that, that I didn't know. I, I knew some of Helen's stories, but I didn't know a lot of her story. And she lived quite an amazing life. She was born in Havana, Cuba, because her mother moved to Cuba with the Methodist Church to be a teacher there. She met and fell in love with Helen's father. They got married. They met in the church there, got married, started their family with Helen and her sister there. Helen grew up in Havana. And she went to college at the University of Havana, uh, where she studied education. She also went to college with a classmate named Fidel Castro. Anybody ever heard of him? Yeah, pretty amazing. He was two years younger than Helen. Helen's a very interesting lady. She took fencing at the University of Havana. They had to take a competitive sports class. uh, And usually most of the women took the swimming class, but she didn't like the instructor. uh, And so she decided to take fencing and turned out to be a pretty good athlete. It also helped her avoid taking the math course. So she was glad to do that. And so uh, she she studied education there uh, and she became a teacher. And she was very active in her Methodist church in, in Havana, Cuba. And she, she played the piano. Uh, she also led the youth group. And then uh, she fell in love with the guy who was leading the young adult ministries. And she married him in the church where her parents met and got married. And she fell in love with her husband and got married there. Uh, and so she was a teacher, kindergarten and first grade. And her husband worked for Coca-Cola. Now, it's not cheer one, I understand, but uh, they still do pretty well. And uh, so her husband's working for Coca-Cola in Cuba. And all this communist revolution stuff starting to stir up. And, you know, it's around, uh, you know, the 1950s. And, and Helen is having children of her own. And it's not uncommon to be driving through the town and see tanks coming by. Like these revolutionaries are asking people to strike. And the military is striking back at them. And... It's it's getting ready to be a powder keg. And and if you know what history does in Cuba, it was quite an interesting place to be. And her husband, again working for Coke, was arrested as part of a a strike that he really wasn't a part of. And they took him to prison. The military did. And and one of the prisoners, uh, one of the jailers there was one of his friends and let him out and said, you've got to get out of here because things are getting ready to get ugly. And so he transferred to Trinidad 1958, and that was right before all the mess opened up with the, with the Bay of Pigs uh, and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right? And so Helen and her family started her family, then they moved to Trinidad, and uh, he's working for Coke, and she's teaching, again, kindergarten, first graders. They're, they're still connected to the church and all that sort of thing. And interesting, funny story, 1958, Helen and her family had a television set, you know, probably one of those humongous television sets when TVs were first coming out, and they took it from Cuba to Trinidad with them, and in Trinidad, they didn't have televisions. They didn't have television signals and stuff, and so they just had this television set in their, in their living room, but no one in Trinidad had seen one, so people would line up to come and look at the television, and they thought it was just a, a real treat when they turned it on and just had the snowy screen, you know, because there's, there's nothing to tune in, and so uh, just funny stories like that when you meet people and hear about them. They weren't there very long until God transferred them to Puerto Rico uh, where, they, where they finished out their careers. Her husband finished out a 40-plus year career with Coca-Cola. She finished out her 40-plus year uh, of teaching kindergartners and first graders. And then they retired to Charlotte. And why Charlotte of all places? Her sister uh, had come to Charlotte earlier and was teaching at Queens uh, here in Charlotte. And then 
Helen had sent her, all of her children to go to college in various colleges and universities in North Carolina. And so she and her husband retired here in Charlotte and they became a huge part of our congregation. And Helen loved children. She loved her own children very much. She loved her students very much. And she loved the children of her neighborhood. Wherever she lived, she was always like the mama on the block, you know, and, and adopting all the kids. And uh, she was always growing. She was always learning more and always just letting God transform her. It's really special. And, you know, she was active in the community in the loaves of fishes food ministry where, where people who were hungry are fed in the name of God. Uh, she also was a translator, Spanish-English translator at a free clinic here in Charlotte up until her like 89th birthday, right? She's doing all this kind of stuff. She was active in our church. She taught Sunday school until she was 89. She was active in the room at the end ministry that we have uh, for homeless uh, guests and neighbors in our community. Uh, she was a storyteller at Vacation Bible School up until she was almost 90 years old, right? Can you just imagine at 92, she was still coming to the church office once a month to take the, the newsletters that we mail out to you folks, and she would fold them and put the stickers on them. And if you ever received one of those, it was from Helen or one of her team, and she did that until she was 92 years old. And Helen just proves exactly what the scripture says is that God is never through with us. There are always a work in progress. That God is always transforming us. And I'm sure she took some steps back in her life, right? Family doesn't share that with you, you know, when you're celebrating someone's life. And that's understandable. But man, she just, she lived this amazing life of 92 years of life to the full with all these, I, I could tell you story after story after story. And it just it shows you that this stuff about Peter and about being transformed by God and being a part of something bigger than who we are and walking a life of discipleship is a lifelong thing. It's a beautiful thing, and it's real life stuff for you and me. You know, you've probably seen the toys, the Transformers, right? Where a robot becomes a car or a building or something. And if you haven't seen that, we got just a real quick video clip. I want you to watch it and, and see what that looks like. So they've made millions of dollars off these toys because they're really fun. They're really cool. You take a robot, it turns into something else, and then it turns back. And so kids love this kind of stuff. And, you know, what if they could create one of those robots to where you, you change it, and every time you change it, it's into something different? Instead of a car to a robot, back to a car to a robot, back to a car, what if it changed from now to a car, you know, to a building? Uh, that changed into, I don't know, a movie theater or whatever. Right? You could keep changing it, changing it, changing it, changing it. They, they, would, they would make millions more. Right, and I think that's the whole premise of what the Bible says is that, is that God starts with who we are and God transforms us into someone else and God continues to transform us and transform us and we are an ever-evolving transformer. And it's really cool because we start here and there were some good things and, and God works on us and we become something new and, and we continue to evolve and evolve. And like Helen's life of 92 years, just all the ways that God continued to push her to grow and change and make a difference in the world. That's who we are. We're like these living transformers. But the ultimate goal is at the end that we will be transformed to where we're like Jesus, to where 
what we say and what we think and what we do and what we feel, it's like Jesus. And so all of our transformations are making us more holy and more like God throughout our lives. And again, like Peter, sometimes we're going to take a step back or two and then God's going to move us forward. But the ultimate goal is for us to become more, to become more like Christ. Last scripture I want to share with you today is powerful scripture. It's from the book of Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible. Psalm 51.10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If you remember one thing from my talk today, one thing that you can do, maybe this is our prayer. God, create a pure heart in me. I want to live a life like Peter. I want to live a life like Helen. I want to be transformed. I want to become something more than who I am. I want to grow and I want to be blessed and I want to be a blessing. Create pureness within me, God. And I know that I'm not all the way pure yet. And so today, make me a little more pure than I was yesterday. And if I've taken a step back, God, help me to take another step forward. God, create a pure heart within me. Because the way that we become more like Jesus is ultimately, it's an issue of our heart. Have we surrendered our heart to God? And, and there's things that we can do to become more like Jesus, like spiritual things like worship and read the Bible and pray and serve God with our time and our talents and our, and our treasure. And, and all those things help us become more like Christ. They also work on our hearts. But if God's working on our hearts, then I think our outside actions will follow what's happening on the inside of us. Does that make sense? And so the prayer is, God, change me. Move me forward. Transform my heart. God, if my heart is yours, then what I do on the outside, it's going to follow. So what I say, my words, what I think, my thoughts, what I feel, what I do, it becomes transformed so I'm more like Jesus. And we're living lives like Peter and we're living lives like Helen. And it's just really powerful. So I guess the question we ask ourselves is, what's my transformation situation? Has transformation happened in me? Am I different than the first day that I met God? Have I seen progress that that I, I am thinking more like Jesus? I am doing more like Jesus. I am feeling more like Jesus. I am talking more like Jesus, right? Have I seen progression? Has has God transformed me into something different? And am I in the midst of a transformation right now where God's moving me forward? Or or maybe we're thinking, there's nothing in my life that looks like Jesus. I don't know anything in my life that looks like Jesus. And maybe that's why we're here, that there's something in us that's yearning for something more in our lives. and, And we're tired of living a life that seems so dead in. And maybe that's why we're here today. Maybe we're here the first time or maybe we're here for the 10th time and we're just, we're hoping to get a glimpse of God. And, and, and I hope so because that's the place to be is, is here at the feet of Jesus to know that God's created us in God's image and God's ready to transform us and to make us be more like Christ, to have holy lives that matter and make a difference and we have meaning in our lives. And it's not just about getting up and going to work or school and, and living for the weekends to party. There's something bigger in store for us. So I'd ask you to take inventory of your life. What, what's my transformation situation? Where, what are the different transformations that I've gone through? What are the different scenes of my robotic transformation in Christ? It's also fun to say, what's your transformation situation, right? Uh, transformation situation. So turn to somebody right now and say, what's your transformation situation? Go ahead. You don't have to answer that question. 
What's your transformation situation? Are you different than you were when you first met God? How far is God taking you? And how far can God still take you yet? If you're like me, I take a lot of comfort in Peter. He walked on water. He confessed Jesus as the Messiah. He, he converted 3,000 people with one sermon. Right? But he also had epic failures. He sunk in the water. He denied Jesus when Jesus needed him the most. Two steps back, three steps forward, right? And so if we're feeling bad about our relationship with God, if we're feeling bad about something that that we're not perfect or anything, you know what? Think about Peter, right? It's three steps forward, two steps back. God keeps pushing us forward. And so I take comfort in knowing that somebody as powerful and as meaningful as Peter didn't have it all figured out, then there's hope for me. There's hope for you, right, in that transformation. I also want us to think about Helen. This is real-life stuff. It's not just people in the Bible that we believe are real, and, and, but they lived 2,000 years ago. This is the 21st century, right? 92-year-old, almost 93-year-old woman who has a, an entire life of transformation, and she affected thousands of people, just this little old calm and quiet school teacher, because she walked a life with Jesus. Right? God meets us where we are. And he helps us become something more. God meets us where we are. And he helps us become something more. He helps us become more like Jesus. So what's your transformation situation? Allow yourselves, brothers and sisters, to become something more. Allow ourselves to to ask God for that pure heart. Allow ourselves to become more like Jesus. Helen finished her life really well. She was able to stay on her own and live independently up until her 92nd, almost 93rd birthday. The last thing that she did in her life, she sat down in her her armchair and she was watching television. And she liked murder mysteries. And I think she was watching some murder mysteries and she had it on really loud and blaring because she lost a lot of her hearing. She was eating a jello, a chocolate jello pudding cup. She ate the whole thing. She set it down right beside her seat finishing up her show and she was called into the kingdom of heaven. And I was thinking about what scriptures that God would want me to use to talk about Helen when, when I, I preached her celebration of life service. One of the main ones that I used was this. It's about Paul and the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. He's talking about near the end of his life. He says, I've fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Fought the good fight, finished the race. I have kept the faith. When I think about this woman of 92 years old, she fought the good fight. She finished the race. She kept the faith. She let God transform her. And through her, she she transformed thousands of lives. If someone can say that about me when I'm dead and buried and gone, man, then I will consider my life a great success, not because of me, but because what God did through me. And I think that's something that we all yearn for as well. When, when our time's gone and, and our families and friends look back on us and they see our life and our transformation to say, you know what? They fought the good fight. They finished the race. They kept the faith. They let Jesus transform them and make them into something more than who they were. Brothers and sisters, become. Become something more than who we are. Jesus meets us where we are and he helps us become something more. He helps us become more like him. Become something bigger than who we are. 
become more like Jesus through his power and in his name. Amen.